welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nika Anani and I'm your host. This week's episode, I was joined by Nicolette Chinonmona, who is a business strategist and her jam is helping small businesses develop their ideas and concepts. She calls herself an idea factory. <laughs> uh, she's great at seeing the bigger picture and loves discovering new projects and causes. And she loves to help entrepreneurs do the same. She believes in creativity, being imaginative, sparking ideas, and allowing visionaries to become the best versions of themselves. So I don't want to spoil it, enjoy it, and share the love. Thank you. Hi, Nicola. Welcome to the Connected Generation. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yeah, this should be a great conversation. So you're a business strategist, you're a wine enthusiast, and you wear many hats. Yes, (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so many hats. You must have like eight heads or something. Um, How did you get to where you are today? Tell us a little bit more about your life journey. All right. um, That's a very interesting question and also a very difficult question because I'm not even sure if I know where I am today. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, when I look at how time has passed, sometimes I'm quite shaken by the fact that I'm no longer 23, that a whole decade has passed. And it's like, where did the years go? And okay, and what's happened since then? You know, um, like you said, I wear a lot of hats. So that means I'm always getting into lots of different projects, lots of different things. So it's like I almost never really know like one place where I'm at because there's just always so much that's going on. But I would say that um, part of my joy of having adventures is, you know, being part of multiple projects. And I guess part of this really started with the fact that um, as a child, I was a very curious child, uh, very, very imaginative. um, And I had many, many various kinds of interests and my parents indulged my interests (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I had very few limitations on the kinds of stuff that I was allowed to do Um, and you know I was allowed to basically explore a lot of different things and so whether it was writing whether it was um, graphic design whether it was fashion and fabrics or making my own clothes or even woodworking uh, you know there was always this uh, openness for me to explore lots of things. And um, I ended up as a business strategist by virtue of the fact that I couldn't really pick one career I was going to settle into. Uh, when I went to university, my parents uh, suggested that I should study entrepreneurship because I had lots of hobbies and they're like, okay, one of these hobbies is surely going to turn into a business. Um, so study entrepreneurship. And, um, and and then, you know, when you get out of us, you're going to turn one of these uh, hobbies into a business. And then that didn't happen. Uh, my last semester in university, I had no idea which business I was going to start. And then I did this course on creativity and innovation. And that was the first time that I realized that creativity is something that can be taught Um, because for me, it just came very instinctively, you know, Um, I'm just, you know, I just wake up and I come up with random ideas. And I thought to myself, you know, this is something that I really want to share with the world because 
I know so many people who have said to me over the years, you know, Nicola, you're still creative. I wish I was as creative as you are. And I've always felt a bit uncomfortable by that because, I mean, how are you supposed to react to someone saying, wow, you have this really good thing and I wish I had that. And you've been taught that, you know, it's something that you're born with. So I actually learned that, you know, the different types of creativity. And I thought, you know what? Um, I want to basically start a business that works with people on developing their ideas by helping mm. them, you know, explore their creativity. Um, I would say, you know, as a person with lots of ideas, that one of my greatest fears is that, you know, um, I will have an idea and I won't pursue it. And then at the end of my life, I'll look back and I'll think, oh, what if it could have worked out? So I guess in a way, I kind of, um, handle people in the same manner in that I I don't want anyone that I could possibly help to one day look back and say, what if I had built that idea? What if mm. I created that thing, you know? So actually, a lot of the conversations I have in general with entrepreneurs from different parts of the world are really just, Nicolette, I have this idea, it's crazy. And I'm like, let's talk about it. I want to hear about it. And let's see how, how that would work. And so I've kind of gone through, you know, various paths of my own in terms of developing my own concepts, um, working with other people that have ideas, um, I guess working in the business strategy space kind of solved my problem a little bit because I couldn't settle on one idea. So it's like, why settle now? You know, if I work with lots of people, then I can work on so many ideas and, and you know, I'll never be bored. Uh, so mm. it's allowed me to, to, to really do a lot. I think some of the highlights have been... Um, being uh, part of the Creative Business Network and, you know, mentoring the different entrepreneurs um, before they participate in the Creative Business Cup Global Finals. I've done this twice, so that's been awesome. Um, and just, just the work of supporting entrepreneurs because ideas are so precious. That's what I believe. I believe that not everyone gets an idea and ideas choose people. And we have to honor that. If an idea comes to us, we have to honor that because not everyone gets that chance to have an idea. But so many people don't know where to start, don't know where to go, don't even know if they can do it. You know, so I, you know, when people ask me, someone once asked me, you know, what do you what do you give to the world? Um, I said, I give people permission um, mm. because a lot of times I meet a lot of people with ideas, but they feel like they don't have the permission to pursue that concept, that idea, that dream. And mm. they're just waiting for someone like Nicolette to be like, no, 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 you can do it. Like, do it. Let's do it. Okay. Like, let's do it. So, yeah. Wow. 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 I loved what you said about um, not everyone gets an idea. Ideas choose people and we have to honor that. Can you just um, unpack that a little bit more? Okay. So... <sighs> Unpacking this is going to be a little bit difficult because I think I'm going through a really weird phase, like when it comes to like faith and religion and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. um, I was I was raised in a in a religious home, kind of a bit mixed up because, yeah, my dad is a Pentecostal Protestant, I guess some people would say my mom is Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it came to faith, it was like, OK, both of y'all are saying very different things. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't want to be pulled this way or that. So I'm 
going to figure it out by myself. I'm going to read the Bible and figure it out by myself. So up until a few years ago, whenever someone asked me, so Nicolette, what are you? I'd be like, I'm a Baptist Pentecostal Catholic. And people were like, wow, that's a lot. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, dad, don't ask me to unpack that. But um, as the years have gone by, you know, I, I think I've become more spiritual um Mm -hmm. than you know really grounded into any one religion um and I think part of that is because I I guess I have had the privilege of being very close friends with people from various religions I've got three best friends uh one is a Baptist one is a Muslim and one is a Hindu (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's allowed me a lot of um access to different perspectives and but I think one of the things is even as my own path in terms of faith has veered, I guess I don't know if it's because I'm a romantic or I'm one of those people that just wants to believe something um or rather maybe I'm sentimental but you know I, I guess I am not as certain as I was in terms of what the universe actually holds in terms of faith but I still do believe that there's some things that are just out there that are just meant for us um, you know some things that that call to us there's some things that you know we can often say well that's a coincidence and sometimes I look at stuff and I'm like no that's not a coincidence you know so I'm a person who believes that you know not necessarily that there's always a plan and a path and you know you're Mm going to stick to it no matter what but I do believe that there are times when certain things will come to you and they wouldn't come to you um before you're in the exact position for those things um or Mm. within the right time frame you know I mean I had an opportunity to move to the U.S. when I was very young well much younger when I was a teenager and Uh, that opportunity didn't pan out and I remember for years thinking oh my god like I wish I could have just gone you know because maybe my life would be different but then now looking back at that you know almost you know more than a decade later it's like oh my god I'm so glad I didn't go because the things that I have done the people that I've met the trajectory of my life Mm-hmm. um would not have been what it is so I believe that there's certain concepts and ideas and I guess I would say visions um mm-hmm. that are out there on some plane I don't I don't know I'm, I'm not really I can't explain as well as some other people that would be very spiritual but mm-hmm. there's certain things that are out there that certain people will be able to see mm-hmm. or certain people will be able to grasp you know um and and those things, you know, if you're able to see them and you're able to to actually comprehend them, that is not something that is usual for the average person. Um, mm. And and I use that term average very loosely because I kind of um, I'll, I'll I'll put it this way. So in case anyone listens and says, "Well, you know, are you saying we're average?" Um, there's certain mm. things that certain people would not want to have or have to deal with. Uh, I'll give an example of, you know, within within the church, you know, um, it said that there are people with the gift of prophecy so they mm-hmm. can see into the future. Now, that's something I would not want. I would never want that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like if if if, if, if there was a, a, a being of God came to me and said, well, you know, I'm going to give you the gift of prophecy. I'm like, no, I ain't got time for that. No, <laughs> like I am that jonah person if i go to nineveh i'm like no i don't have time to go to nineveh so there's certain things that um come with a cost as well and one of the things i often say is that you know when you're an entrepreneur 
there's a heavy cost to that. It's it's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like you know we have to laugh otherwise we're gonna cry you know because mm-hmm. there's such a heavy cost to that and you know as much as you know we might say oh there's some people who get ideas and stuff and all of that there's a cost to it there's a cost to having that there's a privilege but there's also a cost and someone else might be like look I don't need that in my life you know I just need a stable job a nine to five and a retirement plan and I'm good you know, and mm. that is is what I meant in that way. But a lot of times, you know, if you have an idea, if you're able to see things that other people cannot see or see possibilities that other people cannot see, that is a very heavy burden. And so while it is a privilege, it's also a very heavy burden. So there are times I believe that something does come to you that is only something that you can see, you know, um, that's why, you know, sometimes we'll look at things that have been invented by certain people and we'll be like, that's so crazy. How did that person think of that? You know, and mm. like, it's such a process even for themselves. Cause probably when they came up with it, there was, Oh my gosh, this is a great idea. Then, Oh my gosh, no, this is nuts. You can't do this. Everyone will think you're crazy. You're going to lose all your friends. You're going to lose all your money. And so while it's a privilege, there is definitely a cost to that. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. So much there that I'd love, love, love to kind of dive deep into. But I think this might end up being like a four-hour conversation (laughs) (laughs) if I do so. Um, So essentially you said, you know, this kind of ideas, creativity is not given to everyone. Um, And those that have it, essentially they have a responsibility to steward it. Um, And when you say ideas, creativity, can you expansiate break it down what you mean so is it you know those that will come up with a new invention or is it just those that will for instance see things a little bit differently process innovation um, as opposed to radical innovation I'd love to hear more about okay. you know, how you define this creativity and the the scope of the ideas you're talking about mm-hmm. okay so when I say that not everyone will will get an idea, what I mean is that not everyone will get the same kind of idea. And basically, there are seven different types of creativity. I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to try and list all of them. <laughs> I'm probably going to forget a few. Um, so there's the traditional type of creativity that we, we all know. So that's like your typical idea creativity. So that's somebody that comes up with ideas. You know, that's, you know, you're like, here, sit down and invent something and they will just invent something you know space idea creativity um there's organizational creativity so the people who are just really good at figuring out systems and processes and keeping everything together um i was um working recently with a client that's one of those people that comes into your homes and organizes your life you know uh, so she has organizational creativity the people that have events creativity so they're able to pull together moving live structures that are constantly changing and they're not easily um, overwhelmed or, um, or you know, phased by all the details that come with that. And then there is spontaneous creativity. These are people where I always say that it's that it's like that person in high school where if you insulted them, they mm. wouldn't even have to like think. They would just 
rapid fire back at you. You know, you can literally <laughs> say to them, okay, I want you to give a speech about brown shoes. And then they will just start talking about brown shoes. So that's, um, that's um, spontaneous um, creativity. Um, they also people that have material creativity. So that's your typical people that work with, with kind of stuff that we kind of think of when we think of creativity. So like, you know, um, making stuff like pottery, clay, writing, you know, art, painting, that type of thing. And then there's relationship creativity. Um, mm. These are people who are really good at just relating with so many different types of people. If you put all of their friends together in one room, there'll be a fight. But somehow <laughs> they can relate to all of these different people. And then there is inner creativity. So these are people that are very, very good at understanding themselves. They're very introspective and they're good at understanding other people as well. So these mm. tend to be the people where, you know, you go to them and you're like, you know, I don't know what's happening in my life. I am so upset. I'm so angry, but I can't explain what's happening. And they'll actually help you figure out, you know, what is actually going through your mind and what's going on with your feelings. So these people tend to, you know, be your psychologists, your philosophers, that kind. So mm. essentially in the work that I do is, again, like, like I said, it's, it's so crazy how I think so many people don't have permission or feel like they don't have permission to do what they want. Um, and when, when I'm saying they don't have permission, I mean, it's, it's kind of like we, our permission is taken away when we're very young to do a mm. lot of things, you know, I would say, you know, sorry, by who, who takes it away? I feel like society, our parents, school, because they take away your mm. crayons. Do you get what I mean? Like everyone mm. kind of humors children about what they want to do and what they want to create mm-hmm. up until a certain stage. And then it's like, no, no, no. Now you need to focus on mathematics, you know, or you need to focus on biology. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And it's it's and oftentimes a lot of a lot of the, the the children, you know, that have wild ideas, that have crazy ideas, or even just have like random thought patterns, you know, it's like someone's always trying to send to them. I remember this one time I was I was having a discussion. Well, I, it, it probably wouldn't be a discussion, rather I was just talking um to a, a family member or at a family member, but I was just going through a series of ideas and ideas and ideas. And I literally had that family member say to me, you need to sit down and you need to get a magazine and you need to read one thing. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy because literally within the span of these 15 minutes, you've spoken about so many different things. And I'm afraid that you're going to go nuts. And that for me was like, oh, okay, you know, so it's like maybe maybe I'm crazy. But when I look at the work that I do now, you know, when as I'm working with the different clients and the different entrepreneurs, it's often a thing where like. Every two hours, I'm changing discussions, you know, I'm changing to some to a different industry to a different field. So it's like everyone humors you up to a a particular phase. And then afterwards, your ideas, whatever it is, that's churning in your mind, you know, it's either decided whether it's good, or it's not good, or, you know, it shouldn't be encouraged, or you need to be serious. And, um, and you need to settle down. So I guess in a way, me being me, the the kind of process that I take my clients through is really around saying, okay, um, let's think about ideas. Let's do some random exercises around creativity, you 
It's like, okay, um, we want to brainstorm for your business. Okay, what's your favorite fruit? A banana. Okay, brainstorm with banana for your business. I want 10 ideas within the next 15 minutes, you know. And people will be like, oh, no, that's so crazy. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm like, you're complaining, but the, the clock is ticking. And you'd be surprised that people come up with lots of great ideas because suddenly that boundary, that wall that they've been, that they've had around them, which has said, don't think too wildly, you know, suddenly gone. And then it's like, oh, but what about this? Oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Do you get what I mean? So Mm. um, I I think, I think really that's, that's what I provide for a lot of people. I would say um, is just that space to be like, okay, let's, uh, let's do some mischief. Let's, let's just Mm -hmm. get into some kind of mess. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, the piece on um, permission, you, you're giving people permission. Um, what does that process look like um, to get back permission? Because like he said, you know, um, society kind of takes away our, our agency, I guess, our creativity at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what's the steps that folks can take to, to, to get back that control? And permission to to be to be creative okay that's actually very very difficult to answer because I, I think for each person it happens a little bit differently depending on how restricted they have been but typically what I do is I ask you know I ask someone I'm like okay so so what what do you want you know and and typically you know a lot of the stuff that they want tends to be very grounded it's kind of like oh you know I just want this little bit or that little bit and you know and then I'm like oh okay and then after that you know what's next and then it's like oh then after that I would want this and I want that and then it's kind of like why do you want that you know, and then because, okay, so here's the thing is that we're taught that we should want certain things. We're taught that we should want to, you know, make good money. Um, and once we make good money, um, then everything will fall into place. Then we'll send our kids to school in great schools. Then we'll go on vacation somewhere fancy. But the thing is, sometimes what will make someone happy is not necessarily having lots of money. I mean, having money is great. I'm not saying that having money is not great. But a lot of the times, because we have kind of been conditioned to measure our success by looking at finances and how much we've made financially a lot of people have then had to put themselves in in the back seat you know and and put the the financial goal in the front seat one of the things that I always say is that you know when working with the entrepreneur I always say you know we need to work on your personal goals as well as your professional goals because being an entrepreneur can suck a lot of room um, a lot of air out of the room And that can basically lead to, let's say your business fails five years from now, what are you going to have left? So I always want to go down into, okay, um, you've come to me because you want a business strategist, but first we need to figure out who you are. So we need to figure out who you are as a person. So I usually start off with a personality test and then based on the personality test, like, okay, 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 you've got this temperament and these are the strengths and weaknesses. And then the next thing I go into is a life purpose statement. And I say, okay, so what do you feel? your life purpose is so this is like not even looking at the finances part of it and then once they've actually drummed down into you know the life purpose statements a lot of it by the time we get to okay so this is your business and this is your business goals they actually realize that their life purpose statements what they believe would give them joy actually doesn't align with the 
business goal that they initially had, which is, you know, maybe, you know, they they, they want to make a million by the end of the year. But, you know, for them to do that, they're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things. Um, so then it's basically a, pro- a, a process of really going deep down into what the person thinks that they want to work with me for, um, what mm. they actually really do want, and then how to then build a business model that allows them to make money, but still be who they are. You know, um, I'll give an example that, you know, as as we was as we're talking before we got onto this podcast recording, I told you that I had to fire a client. And this mm. was a long term mm. contract, like this was going to settle a lot of things financially for me. But I found myself in a situation where despite the supposed financial stability, Working with the client was very, very unpleasant. It was making me suffer from anxiety. I actually discovered my anger threshold while working with this client. I was like, I can stay angry for five days. And I'm like, wow, at least I learned something new about myself. Um, but it was like, okay, so this is opportunity and you know, there is this 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 financial benefit, but I don't feel good about this. I, I don't like this. I don't like this dynamic and I could easily do this exact same thing for free and enjoy it versus do it now for money and just hate it you know Mm -hmm. so then Mm -hmm. I had to also come to myself and say I don't like this and I don't like the way that this makes me feel and I don't think this is this is good for me this is not a good environment for me and it doesn't matter what the money is I I got into this because I thought this would be an opportunity to 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 do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and in women's development but the environment around it just is not good for me um so I left you know because I know myself and I and because I have gone through that process of knowing myself, knowing what drives me, knowing what motivates me, then, you know, even though it took me about three months to make the decision, I did eventually um, make that decision because I knew that this was not the place for me. And because also I could see how it was affecting other areas of my life, because um, apart from having this client, I've got other clients, I've got other projects, but I noticed that this was taking so much joy out of me that I almost didn't have any joy to put into other areas of my life. But that's because I, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I love. And this is basically kind of what I help people do. It's basically a process of let's figure you out. And then once we've figured you out, we can figure out what will bring you joy and through joy, bring you energy and activate their creativity and then figure out how to make money as well. It's really funny you you mentioned that um, about turning down or ending a a contract with a client um, because a friend of mine also said that she turned down a 50,000 euro um, client, a a new opportunity for this same reason, for a misalignment with her values, I guess, and Uh it really sapping her joy and creativity. And I think it's for a lot of folks, it, it, it seems very counterintuitive. It's like, what in the world are you guys talking about? Mm. <laughs> How in the world are you saying that turning down an opportunity that is cash will lead to more opportunity in the future? Can you unpack mm. that a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what I would say is that, um, you know, a human being is not just a physical body. Um 
um, there's a book I want to read. Um, I, I, it's on my list, my my long list of books to read. And it's called The Body Keeps Score. And it talks about how whenever you're traumatized, even if there's no physical impact, it impacts your body in a particular type of way. And one of the things that mm. I've been able to, I guess, understand is, you know, I, I've been I've been studying myself for years. And part of that has to do with the fact that I've had to struggle with depression and anxiety from a very young age. So because of that, I've always been studying myself because anyone who, who has depression and anxiety can kind of relate to the fact that you don't want to be the downer to people around you. So you're mm. always observing yourself to see, okay, are you smiling? Are you acting like everything is fine? Is, you know, like, so you're always constantly analyzing yourself. Well, I do. Um, and then based Based on that, I became and I have become very, very self-aware. Um, and I almost think maybe it's almost a bit of a curse. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. right, you're very self-aware. And I was like, now you can nitpick every single detail. Um, but one of the things about me is that I I have a lot of, again, like I say, a, a lot of um, perspective on myself as a person. So because I study myself, I notice when my energy goes up. I notice when my energy goes down. Um, I notice when my pace increases, when it decreases and when I lack um, efficiency as well. And one of the things I've realized is that when I am in an emotionally strained situation, it consumes everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, it consumes everything and it prevents a lot of other things from working well. So I'll give an example that um, after I quit this client, because um, uh, it was it was a retainer, within about two weeks, two, three, two, three weeks, I basically lined up double the same amount, but doing projects that I like and working with people that I like. Um, So, so that was like, and and it was the thing when I left, I kind of jumped out and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. But the key reason why I jumped and you know like you said in terms of your question how can you see you're going to give up something now and then Mm. it'll give you more opportunities later is that you know people can sense and and I think this you know perhaps people can put this to like against like evolution or something you know um say it's a point for evolution but as human beings we can sense other human beings moods we can sense their interest we can sense their attention we can sense if they're happy we can sense if something is not okay mm. and i would actually say that a lot of the times when you're not feeling okay yes it is possible for you to you know project happiness sunshine and all of these things but even though you're projecting that somehow people can pick it up that mm, something is, yeah, mm. something's not quite right here. Mm-hmm. Even if the energy is buzzing, people are like, mm, I don't mm. know, I don't know. You know, something's just weird here. And you know, if 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 they pick that up, and you're a business person and you're trying to communicate about business things, what they're gonna pick up is that something is wrong with what you're proposing to them. Something is wrong with what you're saying to them. So they'll think you're hiding something. Not necessarily, it's not even that you're going to be hiding something to do with the business or you're trying to cheat them, but you are kind of like, you know, kind of just making something pretty. And then they'll sense that. And then they'll pull away because part of them is saying, but something's wrong here. So a lot of the times, if you give up a situation that's bad, that's sapping your energy, that's taking away your joy, 
immediately your levels of joy increase and you're mm. just your levels of just tension just the tension just releases and then when you communicate with other clients they can sense that okay this person's in a good place yes i want to work with this person you know but when you're still holding on to that tension it's kind of like i don't know you know they're gonna be like i don't know about that you know Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times you just need to clear the path of some of the stuff so that you can also open up doors for other things. And I think this again, like, I mean, if people who are religious are listening to this, you know, there's that saying that, you know, when one door closes, God will open another door. Or sometimes, you know, people that are maybe more spiritual or believe in manifestation will be like, look, um, you know, if you if you let go of something that, you know, is not for you, you're making space for the thing that is for you, you know, but I will I will say that definitely when I cut that client off, I really, I did not have a plan, but it was just mm-hmm. like, I, I'm not going to stay in this. And I think um, part of the the thing that I do, basically when I'm in any kind of situation, um, I, I have um, a, 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 a method that I use for figuring out how to deal with with the situation or how to make decisions. So there are three Mm -hmm. things I consider when I'm making a decision, any kind of decision, whether it's a business decision or a personal decision. Um, The first thing I ask myself is, okay, in this situation, um, did you respect yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, in whatever decision you made, did you respect yourself? First of all, um, if I don't feel like I, I I really respected myself in a situation, then it's like, no, 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 we're not staying here. The mm-hmm. second thing is, were you brave? You know, so is it a thing where like, you know, I was a, like you're avoiding um, tension and argument, whatever it is. Are you were you brave in the situation? Like for you to make this decision, are you being brave? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, will you be able to sleep at night? Now, I love to sleep. I don't get a lot of it, but I love it. And as soon as I find myself in a situation where I'm tossing and turning because mm-hmm. of a person, <laughs> no, just one <laughs> night, one night of not sleeping because of a person. No, it's like, it's time to go. You know, it's time to go. So, and sometimes you just need to take that leap because here's the thing. And I always say, um, I, I've been working on a book while I'm supposed to be working on a book. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I'm supposed to be working working, on a book. I'm supposed to be. Thank you. See, suppose is the key one. You amigo. (laughs) (laughs) So the book is called um it's called Dawn of the Warrior. And it 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 talks about, well, I'm writing it to talk about, you know, um the fact that oftentimes life just feels like a battle. It just feels like an ongoing battle. And and there's certain um, things that, you know, we have to do to prepare ourselves for this battle that, you know, it's like you're just born, you know, into planet Earth. And then for some people, it's almost as like as soon as you're born, you're just thrown into the battle, you know, into the fray. And um, one of the things that I was talking about um, in the book was that, you know, it is important for us to have justice as people. And what I meant by that was that I feel like every single person is born with some laws, some immutable laws that are written on their heart. Like one of the laws that we have when we're born is that our parents should love us. They should love us and they should look after us and they should always make decisions that are in our best interest, guided by love. Mm -hmm. And whenever those laws or that law particularly is, um, 
is broken, we experience a lot of shame and a lot of pain and a lot of just anger. Because even as a child, even before we understand psychology, parenting methods, when your parent hurts you, you feel that hurt, something is broken because Mm. you have that law already written on your heart. And then the other law, which is pertinent to this discussion, is the fact that we believe that, you know, there needs to be justice. There needs to be justice for us. So if someone does something wrong to us or if something bad happens to us, then they need to be recompensed. Like, you know, we, 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 something needs to be done. We can't just suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. So it doesn't matter if you find yourself in a bad situation and you tell yourself, oh, well, you know, this workplace is really toxic, but I'm getting so much money. And you know, what? I'm going to go on holiday and enjoy this money. Yeah. But still that law within your heart that says that this is wrong and I am being hurt and I need justice is not going to leave you alone. That is why, you know, uh, I often say, you know, if if you don't leave a toxic situation because of money, you're just going to use that money to pay for therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good God. I mean, you just, yeah. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to use that money to pay for therapy. And, and it was true because I mean, I got to a stage where I had to take, um, I had to take anxiety medication an hour before a weekly meeting. Like that's where I was. It's like, I had an alarm on my phone. That's like, it's time for you to take this med so that by the time we get into the meeting, whatever was said, like it would just be going in one ear and out the other ear because I'll be sedated. That's Mm. how bad it was. And I had to really look at myself and say, wait, and I'm here for, for what, for money? No, Mm -mm, please. You know, and, and I even remember like, even after I, I left that, um, that contract, you know, I remember looking at how much money I had and I was like, it's fine. You know, you don't need to eat all of that, what you've been eating. It's like, get mm-hmm. ready to just trim this grocery budget down. Do you get what I mean? Like, I was like, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you know? Okay. And then I didn't even have to do that because the provision was made. Um, you know, they're just opportunities that have been quite unexpected, to be honest. And it's, it's, it's just, it's just proved to me that I made the right decision um, to, to leave essentially, and not to just follow money. And very interestingly, I remember when I, before I, I, I agreed to work for that client, before I signed the contract, we had this kind of like a very terse conversation of blow up. Actually, it was, it was like, I was just yelling on the phone and I'm not really a yeller. I don't like to yell. Um, and I was like, one thing I require in a working relationship is respect. I don't care about money. I can even work for free, but I can't work in a situation where I don't have respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the client was like, yeah, 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 you're saying that, but everyone needs money, you know? And I, I think that that's the difference between me and that client. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I think um, for me, I would completely agree. Values and respect is a lot more important than money. Because um, like you said, that really made me crack up. But <laughs> like you said, um <laughs> That money, you just end up like either, you know, self-medicating or you'll be in a chair with a therapist and no shade, no shame in having a therapist. But it's just put into perspective, um, looking more holistically, are you really gaining from Mm. the situation um, as much as you think you are? So that's really powerful. Mm. Um, For folks that have like like this has just been so insightful you've got so much knowledge that book must be written by the way oh god oh god 
<laughs> it must be written. Um, and for oh folks that have more questions or would like for you to help them out, um, how how what does that look like? What does working with you look like? And how can they reach you? Okay. Um, typically, this is what I'm doing. Um, I've been restructuring my business again um, to to do things that I I, I like to do or things that feel good to me, um, which has meant, again, not really having a focus so much on, on money and long-term contracts. Um, typically, I would have had, you know, people come to me and then they ask for long-term coaching, you know, which spans, you know, between six months and a year. I'm no longer doing that. I'm basically working with people for 14 sessions over two months. Um, and what I really want to do and what I'm focusing on it's really just helping people develop their business models. Um, because I think before mm-hmm. traditionally, because I'm I'm a talker, like you've realized I'm a talker, mm-hmm. you know. So like a lot of people say, Oh, let's talk, let's talk. I've had, you know, sessions where it's like people are just talking and talking, and it's like, Well, you're paying me for this. I appreciate it, but we actually need to get some work done. But you know, I like talking to you, but you know, you, you need to get your value out of this. So typically what I do when I work with an entrepreneur is um I do 14 sessions with them. Four of the sessions are really focused on coaching, which is, you know, looking at you as an entrepreneur. So your strengths, your weaknesses, your life purpose statement, your purpose, um, your your, your personal and professional goals, and then also figuring out what your exit plan is, um, because not a lot of people have an exit plan. And then the next 10 sessions, we just focus completely on your business model and and figure out how to work on that. Because I think, one of the things that I've had to kind of adjust in terms of my process of working with people is that I I, I think it's, you know, as much as I give people permission, I find that sometimes people want to stick very close to the person who's given them permission, the person who they're comfortable with. And I found instances, you know, where we have a coaching relationship that just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and it's just dragging. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really finding value now and saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do 14 sessions, and then I want you to go out into the world and I want mm-hmm. you to try this stuff and I want you to work with other people, you know, because I always say, you know, my job is really at the beginning, it's the foundation. It's okay, what foundation do you have in terms of this great idea you have, your pie in your sky? Let's take the pie in the sky and actually figure out how to develop a business model around it. And then you go off and then you learn other things from other people. And then you practice the foundations that I've actually set for you. So that's what I'm currently doing. And I guess the reason why I really honed down into like working with people on their business models is because I've noticed that, you know, not every entrepreneur Mm-hmm. has the you know the benefit of having an, an education in business you know um not all of them can say oh you know I'm not like Nicolette I don't have a degree in entrepreneurship I don't have an MBA but what I do have is I have a skill I have a passion I have an idea so a lot of those people then start a business and then it's like I have all this passion but my business isn't working and it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's not working because you know running a business is a little bit more complicated you do Probably. need to yeah you need to to have some business foundation set so I take them through the process of setting up those foundations and it's not just their talent and helping them figure that out so I, I do take very few clients um, at one particular time moment in time um, but I am quite affordable actually <laughs> I was told that I was cheap I had somebody say to me the other day, so I was like, 
oh my God, you, you charge how much? I'm going to pay you right now before you raise your prices. And I was like, I'm not going to raise my prices. Like I'm charging what I'm comfortable with. Um, so basically we do the 14 sessions for 700. So it's like um, $50 per session which is about an hour session. And then it comes up to about 700 and then uh, you go forth and then you prosper. So anyone who would, I guess, want to, <laughs> I, I'm so snarky. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> so anyone that wants to go forth and prosper. Yeah, anyone that wants to go forth and prosper. Anyone that wants to like maybe reach out and be like, look, Nicolette, I have this idea. I'm not sure where I'm going wrong or I've already started my business, but something is going wrong. And I have the feeling it's because I don't know anything about running a business in terms of business education or background. Can we do this as a hack? Can because that's essentially what I do. I provide a 14 session hackathon on business modeling. Um, they can just reach out to me. They can send me an email. Um, that is Nicolette at sparkideascourses.com. Nicolette with one L two T's and an E, or you can always reach out to me on Instagrams, um, Nicolette on ideas on Instagram. So yeah, just catch up with me and let's get into some mischief. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicolette. I've really enjoyed this conversation um, this morning. Oh, this has been a pleasure. Definitely. This is great. Yes. Awesome. Oh my word. The line that so touched me was when Nicolette said, Ideas are so precious. Ideas choose people. And this concept of honouring and stewarding our ideas. And Nicolette then said she, her role as a coach, a strategist, is she gives visionaries, founders, entrepreneurs permission to explore and discover their ideas. I love that. I truly believe that in building future-focused enterprises in our families, we also need to give each other permission to voice our thoughts, to voice our feelings, to voice our mistakes. And to get there, we really need to build safety, right? Psychological safety. And Amy Edmondson define psychological safety as a belief that one will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns or mistakes and that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. This is really what we need to create an environment that is permissive towards innovation and creativity. And in my book that is I'm writing at the moment, Lifetime to Legacy, I talk a lot about this, the importance of psychological safety, how we go about building psychological safety in our families to bring about this creativity and innovation. So if you'd like to hear more about that, it's still work in progress. I sent it off this week to the editor's second draft. So seems like we're on track for a January release, but if you would like to be kept in touch, Click on the link in the show notes to join my mailing list and you will get all the juice. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care and God.